Hi everyone, welcome back to the Anthony Podcast and today's episode is going to be with Rachel Proctor laying I met Rachel several years ago on a holiday camp called Birmingham Vibe Camp. Birmingham Vibe, Birmingham Vibe Camp is a charity organisation that takes away young people all week and they do a load of activities. So I hope you enjoy today's episode and I will speak to you soon. Yes, I'm very well, thanks, Anthony. Very pleased to be talking to you. And you, it's been, it's been a while, isn't it, last break, so... I yeah, don't... it must be like... Is it... it it's not like it's been, seven years. It's, I, think, I think it has been a... It's been a long, long time. Let's just say that. Yeah. So the reason why the reason why so would you mind just explaining to the audience exactly what you do exactly what you do please? Sure. Yeah. Um. At the moment, mainly what I do is I perform with an improv troupe called Degrees of Error and another one called Close Reach Day. Uh, Degrees of Error do a improvised murder mystery called Murder She Didn't Write that we tour around the UK and perform at the Edinburgh Fringe every year. And then Close to Each Day is an improvised soap opera, which is performed every other week at the Wardrobe Theatre here in Bristol, where I live. So, 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 so what made you, so what made you want to get into performing? Well, actually I've been a teacher for 17 years. Um, yeah. Which and I, was, I studied drama and English at university, and I've always really liked drama. Uh, and I've always performed in one way or another, like Amdram, that sort of thing. But I first saw some improv in at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in 2015, I think, um, because a friend of mine who I'd just done a play with was in it. And it was actually the show I'm in now, it was in Murder, She Didn't Write, but they were in a very different venue then. And I went to see it just because I knew someone. I wasn't really expecting to enjoy it as much as I did, to be honest. And then I just loved it. And I thought, I think I could do that. That sort of, what I wanted to experience is what I could see what was happening on stage was the same thing I experience when I go to like gigs and I see bands playing together. I'm not remotely musical in any way, but I'm always jealous of like bands and then getting to sort of sense each other on stage and really feel like you're part of something. And, um, And that's what I felt this show had. So I said to my friend when I got back, when I saw the show and it was, about, it was improv, but it was telling stories and the cast seemed like they were having such good fun and I want to do it. So she said to me, well, let's do this improv course. So we both joined the same improv course, which is actually run by a guy called John Lomaz, who is, is in Closer Each Day. Um, and I just loved it. And it turned out I was quite good at it. And I think the reason for that is, is because I've been a teacher and the same skill sets apply. Like you have to basically just go, yeah, and everything and agree and sort of sense the room. And a lot of the skills I use as a teacher, I use as an improviser as well. So it was really transferable. So I started doing it and I've just been doing it ever since. And I joined Close Reach Day less than a year later after doing the course. And then two years later, I was in the same show that I'd seen in Edinburgh after auditioning. I had to audition twice, uh, but I think I got in the second time. Um, and now, yeah, I joined just as they were going into the Pleasance, which is a really big venue in Edinburgh. So I was so lucky I got to join and go in 
with them there and I've been doing it ever since so yeah it's been lovely so, so you mentioned that you had that you had auditioned twice. That just that just standard protocol, or did something go wrong? No, something went terribly wrong. Actually, <laughs> no, not wrong. I mean, I was I auditioned. I'd only been doing improv for less than a year when I first auditioned, um, and I was very lucky. I did get through to the callback. So when they auditioned, they auditioned like maybe like twenty of us in a room. And uh, it was a real full on day, but there were still loads of things about improv that I just didn't know yet. And I hadn't had the experience. And so they were really kind. They sort of, I got a recall and then they said that we went with two other people, but they sent me some really good feedback saying, we think you need more experience than this. We'd like to see you do more of this. So all I did, because I knew I really wanted it, was make sure I got that experience. And then the next time I went to the audition, I just really made sure that I showed them the things that I hadn't showed them the last time. So I just sort of yeah kept at it, and then I then I did get in that year. Uh, so, so you may, so, so you mentioned sorry you mentioned earlier that you that you that you work that you worked on work in in that basically you mentioned that you already did that. But question is, have you always been have you always been interested in communicating communicating with people, but basically. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm absolutely a people person and I come alive when I'm in rooms full of people. So I've always been in interested in communicating with people and also working with young people, as you know, because yeah. I worked with you as a young person when we went away yeah. on fab camps. Yes. So with that, that something that you just... Would that just something that you picked up from an early age, like communicating with people or did you have to learn that as you got older? Um, I think you learn better ways to communicate with people as you get older and more subtle ways to communicate with people. Um, I've always wanted to talk to people. I was always the kid in class who got told off for talking too much and the kid at my house who got told off for talking too much and I always wanted to talk to people. But, you know, as I got older, I, I got better at communicating with different types of people, that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, I do like talking to people and knowing people. And, yeah, I find it really interesting. So, so, so what, what, I, what age would you say did you pick up the book? What age did you find interest in, like, performing? God, well, I was... I remember doing my end of year school play thing in year six, you know, at the end of primary school and enjoying that and doing little plays at primary school and like putting on little skits of my sister for my grandparents and things. So I think I've always been a performer on some level. I joined an Amdram theatre company when I was about 14 in Cleethorpes where I grew up. Um, and I got some parts there and I got in some of the main stage shows. Um, and so I and then I chose to do drama and English at, at university, which admittedly there wasn't loads of performance. It was much more the study of drama, but it was um, there was some it was good. So, yeah, always the only time I, I didn't perform, actually, for once I got my job as an English teacher, I was so passionate about that and I loved that so much. And there was the study of drama, but there was no real time or room in my life to sort of 
think about acting or performing. So I actually didn't do any for from when I became a teacher for the, like seven years, six years. And it was only when my um, deputy head at my school, uh, who um, I did like a school play because the kids had written it and they were like, can you come be this silly fairy in this panther that we've written? <laughs> so I was like, of course, yeah, I'll do that sort of thing. And I can't remember much about it, but I remember I had to run like slow-mo and it like, Whoa. I can't remember much else. But um, I remember everyone thinking it was quite funny and all this. And I suppose it was particularly funny for the students because they'd never really seen me be that silly like I was silly in class a little bit but I wouldn't have ever like put on a show or anything like that so I think kids sometimes when they see their teachers clearly imagine them in a certain way so it was fun yeah. for them but anyway my deputy head said to me oh you can you can act and I said well yeah I have, have done it and she said well I'm I'm putting on a show at the minute um, and we need some extra cast members with this theatre company in Bristol will you come be in it and in all honesty, I was too scared of her to say no. So um, I said yes. <laughs> and then I started doing, off the back of that, I started doing quite a lot of Amdram again. But it did ha I did take that sort of seven years. And it was that conversation that led me to all this because I wouldn't, if I hadn't gone back to do an Amdram, I wouldn't have met my husband for a start, who got me to go to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Um, and, and actually that woman, Jack's name is, who was my deputy head, just directed me in a play that, uh, we just did a little tour of the Southwest um, and uh, performed at the Wardrobe Theatre, which is a lovely theatre here in Bristol. And it was a really nice full circle moment to sort of be like, oh, you got me back into drama and now you're directing me in a little play that tours uh, the Southwest. It was really nice. So, so as you mentioned earlier, the first time we, the first time we met with, with our Birmingham Falcon. So, mm -hmm. so for, for, my, for, for my audience, Birmingham, Birmingham South Campus is where they have all different children from all different backgrounds and they basically go, one sec, one second. Can you still hear me? I can still hear you fine, darling, yeah. Oh, thank you. So, so as I was saying, so, Basically, they have all different, all different people from all different ages going away for a week, and they do loads of activities. So what? So what made you? What made you want to start volunteering to get to to, to join? To join, basically. Andrew Miles. That's the answer to that, Anthony. Um. As you know, Andrew, who has done loads of camps and led lots of the camps and, you know, has worked tirelessly for Fab for years, is the brother of my best friend from university, Rosanna. And I was visiting her in Birmingham and I had just finished uni and I just had a sort of six month post uni job. And it was finishing on the, I remember this clearly weirdly, the date. So it's finishing on the 12th of August. Um, that was when my job was due to finish and I didn't have any plans then um, for the summer and Andrew said oh we're doing a I'm going on this fab camp it was, it was only his third one I think um, and he said you should come you'd be really good at it and in all honesty he didn't 
really tell me what I was getting myself in for because I'm not sure I would have said yes. I mean, I'm so pleased I did, but he really didn't spell it out. <laughs> I mean, you've been, Anthony, you know how just absolutely mad they are. How, yeah. like... Yeah, it can be, sorry, no, I mean, it can be a bit, like, it can be a bit full on sometimes. Yeah. Yes, it can be on a bit full on sometimes, I think is a fair... <laughs> review of Birmingham Fab Camps so you are one of the best behaved on that and that says a lot doesn't it so yeah. <laughs> so um yeah so I went and did it because it was like oh it's just a week in the Lake District you know I was like oh that'd be a nice holiday wouldn't it be nice and then it was like baptism of fire but nothing nothing before or since has made me feel as good as doing Birmingham Fab Camps did I couldn't do it now I genuinely don't have the energy I came back for a sort of um encore year a couple of years back in the post-covid years when they were desperate for volunteers who kind of already knew what they were doing and I did the week and oh I was like no it's for people in their 20s really now but um I mean Andrew still does it I mean it's amazing but uh yeah it was it was phenomenal uh, I loved it so much and I, I do miss it a lot so it's really nice to be talking to you today and make me think about it again well well uh and Andrew is always that the energy of a 20 plus year old. He absolutely has always had the energy as a 20 plus year old. I mean, I also see him napping on a bean bag quite often these days, but you know. <laughs> so, so, what, so, what age group did he come, did he come back? At? Did, did he have it on Swan so, so Song? It was Venture. It was Venture Camp again, oh. the same one. I've only ever done venture camp. Um, I sort of always said, oh, I'll do another one at some point. But it, I just found it, I just love that age group. I love to do guys when you were like 14, 15, 16, and everyone said cheeky. And yeah, it, I loved it. Yeah, that was, that's my age group. That's the age group I enjoyed teaching the most when I was a teacher as well. You know, that's sort of, it's a real privilege to meet people on the cusp of their adulthood. I mean, you were always very mature. It's quite easy to tell who you were going to be as a person, even meeting you as a teenager, I'm not, you're exactly the same to me now. Like, obviously it's amazing you're doing all this, but I had no doubt you'd do something amazing. I, I appreciate, I appreciate that. It is lovely. So, so going back, going back to murder, she did, mm. she did that road. I think I've said that right. So, so open, so open the night. What were, you, what were your emotions? Were you nervous? Were you excited? Was it like a co combination of the two? Is that like my first ever time or just generally? I mean, I do it so much now. I mean, this year I've probably, I mean, I performed it like at least 25 times in Edinburgh. Last week I did it four times. Over the course of the year, I've, pro I've probably done it like a hundred times. Like it's, I I've done it hundreds of times. But the very first time I did it, I did it at a really small theatre. Usually, we perform Murder She Didn't Write to like three hundred people at a go now. But when my the very first show I did was less was like seventy at most. And this tiny theatre called um, Cleveland Theatre Shop, which is actually an old shop that they turned into a theatre. I've performed there a few times now. It's lovely. But I remember. You have to, the, the the audience is asked to decide like where the event is that the murder takes place and the object that was important. So they might say it was the case of the um, pickled cauliflower at the 
Zoom interview, you know, whatever. It's just an event. Yeah, yeah. And so you don't know what your plate, what you're going to be doing or who you're going to be or anything until the moment you walk on. So I was, I was utterly terrified. Yeah, utterly terrified. In fact, I remember it was a seance. I do remember that. That was the offer. It was a seance. Can't remember the object. But I decided to walk on as this like person who was conducting the seance, this sort of mystic woman. Uh, and I remember my first line that I said, because obviously we're making it all up as we go along. Yeah. I just said, well, I'm very nervous about tonight. <laughs> and that was obviously in character. My character was nervous, but it was quite clearly me, the improviser that was terrified. And yeah, I still get nervous. I still absolutely get nervous. But I've worked so much with this gang of people and done this show so many times that it's like putting on a, a comfortable jacket now it's like I know this it's like a game I'm good at that I play with my friends and I know they're all good at and we're all on the same team and we get to play that game and then people pay to watch that's what it feels like it doesn't feel like hard work now it feels like a really lovely thing that I like to do that occupies my mind completely for an hour and um, that can be sometimes hard work sometimes you're like oh what's next what's going to be next and sometimes it's just all feels so easy and it's just so lovely but either way at the end you know it's going to everyone's going to have had a nice hour the audience always really appreciate the show even if we felt that we've had to work harder than usual they still have a nice time and so it's incredible because it feels like because the audience are involved in what happens it feels like you make something together in this hour in this room um, which is a real joyful thing. So yes, lovely. That is, like from what from what I've seen, it seems seem to be a hit with the with the critics. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yes, <laughs> it is a bit of a hit with the critics. Yeah, we got something like ridiculous thing, like most critically acclaimed show at the Edinburgh Fringe, one of the most. You know, like. And we're up there with some incredible people that I've always admired, you know, other improvised companies like Ostentatious and Showstopper, who we've always like looked up to, to find ourselves on the same, in the same list and on the same level felt really, really um, amazing. And yeah, we got some great reviews this year. Really, really lovely reviews. Edinburgh was a treat for that because we didn't really have any reviewers last year because we're only there two weeks and we didn't really have time to sort of invite anybody. And then of course, two years before that, we didn't go to the fringe because of COVID. Yeah. So this was like the first time in five years where we felt we were back. And it just felt so nice to have people really appreciate our show, you know, not just critics, but audience members too. Yeah, it, it was great. So why, why the, why, so why, so how do you, how do you make you feel when you when you saw that somebody actually somebody actually really enjoyed what you did? That was there like a daft question, but somebody... no, it makes you feel incredible. That's why I do it. Like I don't know, like you sometimes see people after you've done the show and you're like outside and they can see like looking over like just singing the show, and they're almost like don't want to come over and say how great you are. We always love that. <laughs> of course, that's all I want. Like we live for the applause, you know. Like it feels incredible when people come over and say, like, we come see your show quite a lot. We really always really enjoy it. You know, like it's my favorite thing to hear, without a doubt, because it's a silly thing. It's a silly thing that, you know, when I was a teacher and when I do fab camps and things like that, the worth of them, why they're important is so clear. 
you always feel like what you're doing is worthwhile, even though it's hard and, and challenging. But this is, a, like I said, this is a silly game that I play with my friends that people pay to watch. So to have people say, that silly game you play really made me happy for an hour, or I really enjoy it, or this is something we come to as a family every year, is amazing and so validating. And um, I just feel so lucky that, that yeah, I've had so many of those conversations now, and they all stick in my brain, like, you know, the lovely things people have said, or just the sort of smiles people give you as they're coming out and things. Um, it's incredible. It's, all, it's what you, I dreamt of, you know, it's what I really wanted when I got into this. So yeah, it's amazing. The reason why I say that is because sometimes, sometimes people can be awkward when they get brain. I know I I know I do sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I just was telling you how nice good you were and clever you were like, yes, well I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're so handsome, Anthony. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> It's because it's because it's because yeah, I feel I feel I feel like I feel like I don't I don't deserve it. I pray that some people give me a so Well, yeah, but that's that's you know your thing. You certainly you deserve a lot higher praise for doing this than I deserve for doing my silly game I play with my friends. This is it's all relative, isn't it? And definitely, I think I was almost a bit apologetic about it, you know, when I first went to the Edinburgh Fringe because I knew I know how hard some people work to make their shows that go up, they don't get nearly the audiences that we get and that sort of thing. And I know we're in an incredibly privileged position to have the marketing budget that we do and to have had the years that we've been going to establish a reputation that I wasn't like, oh, it's nothing. It's just a silly show. But now, and I think COVID and having a bit of time away from it and coming back to it and really seeing the worth actually and entertaining people for an hour, giving them a really nice hour, um, I do feel really proud of it. So I've learned to, rather than dismiss a compliment, I've definitely learned to accept that and say thank you and and take that on because um, I do think that's important. I think we could all be better at that, but, of taking compliments, you know, like, but I also, I make sure I give a lot of them as well, you know? Like I always go up to a theatre company after a show and say, if I enjoyed it and tell them I enjoyed it and tell them why and something that I appreciated. Yeah. And I do that with people as well because I do think the giving of praise is a free thing that we can do to people that makes them feel worthwhile. So it's not a, it's easy. I, obviously, I did. Obviously, I did. I thank you, but but you can but you can tell you can tell. But I will look on my face how how written it that is. Like thank you. Like like it's, I don't know how to explain it, but in, but internally, I don't feel like I deserve it. Like, you mm. know what I mean? Yeah. I think we can all do that. Like, I definitely feel the same sometimes when people are complimenting me. I'm just kind of like, yeah, all right. Well, thank you, but I don't really. But I think that is about our own sense of self-worth and things. And that's something we all need to work on. Like, you know, like, you do deserve it, darling. You definitely do. I appreciate that. So, so, so if somebody came to you and said, Rachel, I will have you this part in this play, it's a... It's a it's a full it's a full, it's basically it's basically full time, but it's not full time if you know what I mean. Would you go for it or are you just happy in what you're doing? Oh god, it's but it absolutely depends on the play. Um but yeah, almost certainly, yeah. I'm I'm definitely would look at performing even more than I do at the minute. Um 
but I don't know, like, do I want to perform the same play every day all the time? That's what I love about the play I do is um, it's different every time. You know, and I've had friends and stuff do like really long runs of shows, like weeks, months, years, you know, of the same show. And, you know, of course, it's amazing if you like, it's a really big show in the West End or something like that. But of course, you're going to get tired of that. And I'm in a real privileged position at the minute where it really doesn't feel like work. It really doesn't. And I imagine if you did the same all the time, it would eventually feel like work. So I'd have to really weigh, weigh up the pros and cons there. But, you know, I'm not going to say no if someone offers me some, like, great part in some, like, long-running play. Probably not. Uh, so how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you find time to delegate between putting in the effort into, into murder to do that right row? And then your personal life, and obviously your 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 school work, your teaching work. Well, I I'm not teaching anymore, so oh, I've oh, stopped. No, it's fine. Like only really recently, um, have I stopped teaching, mainly because I had some like health issues, which just meant I just couldn't balance it all. Um, I just had a what we call hypothyroidism and fibromyalgia, all sort of brought on from COVID, it was a very long, but basically it just meant that I realized I have to let go of something. And this is the thing that's bringing me the most stress at the minute. And as much as I love it, I'm just gonna need to take some time away from it for a bit. So I've stopped teaching, although I am still tutoring um, children one-to-one. -one. So I still get a lot of like the stuff that I really enjoyed about teaching. Yeah. Um, so at the minute I'm still performing a lot um, and it is hard to balance that with my personal life, like my relation, you know, like last week I was at the theater every day of the week, um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, and I had to be at the theater by pretty much the time that my husband got home. So, you know, it just ships in the night, just didn't see each other. Um, but we went and had a lovely day on Saturday in London where we went together and saw an incredible concert and that sort of thing. So we just sort of make sure week by week that we're like looking for time that we can spend together you know and um and obviously it's really hard like when I in Edinburgh I have to live in Edinburgh for the whole month of August and I do miss my husband and my home and my dog and my friends and my life here but I appreciate it all the more when I get back like I'm so pleased to see my husband and so pleased to see my house like, you know that actually I sort of walk around for two weeks sort of stroking my walls and things um so I think it gives me a real deep sense of appreciation of the things I have that I sometimes have to go away and come back to them, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know, I know it's not the same, but nowadays, nowadays we've, we've been like FaceTime and obviously what we're doing, what we're doing here, even though you're quite, technically you're not, you're not a part, if you know what I mean, obviously you're quite, yeah. you're not with the person, like, but you can still you can still verbally communicate and you can still spend time together, even if it is virtually. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we, we did. When I was in Edinburgh, I would sort of FaceTime my husband, you know, every couple of days and we'd sometimes even meet a meal together. And actually that's fine for us because we kind of started our relationship like that. Because I don't know, I don't know if I've told you this story, but when Rick and I first met I already had a one-way ticket to South America book to Argentina so we had a lovely summer together and he even visited me at a fab camp I don't know if you were there that year maybe 
I can't yeah. remember. No. But anyway, um, but I went off to Argentina and we actually spoke most days on over uh, FaceTime. And what, I would have my lunch and he would have his dinner because of the time difference at the same time. And we would just chat and we did that for months. Um, and then eventually he came out for Christmas and New Year. Um, so actually, my husband and I are very used to this way of chatting. Um, it's not quite the same, but like you say, it's it means you can at least be together. So when, so when you start when you start being together like in person, was was it a bit was it a bit awkward at first? Because I know I know if I've, even if I've been speaking to somebody virtually, when I meet them in person, it can be like not that, not that is weird, but you know what I mean. Like it can be a bit awkward in places. Yeah, yeah, it can be. Luckily, we'd had a really good summer together where we'd seen each other a lot in person, so it wasn't awkward <laughs> when we saw each other in person. Although, you know, you're always still a bit shy, aren't you, and that sort of thing. But, oh, but um, yeah, I'm not shy of him now. <laughs> so, so, you know, when you decide, uh, do you know when you made the decision, I need, I need to step away? From teaching, I know you said you do tutoring, but what 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 any hesitation on your part? I know you said you had to clear your health, but still, what any hesitation? Yeah. Oh gosh, loads, loads of hesitation. It was a really difficult decision for me. Really difficult. Um, I in the end, I thought I made it out of necessity rather than choice because I really did feel quite ill. Um, and I couldn't really imagine. I needed to figure out how I could like live with these this this new thing and exist in it. So I've got I've given myself a year. I can't imagine I'll stay away forever. Um, although I also don't think I could ever go back the way I was doing it before. It's a very full-on job teaching um emotionally and physically. And I just don't feel I've got to offer it what I had to offer in my 20s and my 30s. And I'm not prepared to, if I'm all, quite honestly, as well, like, because, like, you're saying about balance um, and weighing up, you know, my life at home, you know, I want to give more time to the things that I love doing, to performing and to, you know, being with friends and family. Um, so I don't think I ever will do it to the same level and degree. But I'll always be a teacher because I think it is a vocation, not just a job. Um, and I definitely miss it, uh, but not enough to want to go back anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. I did I do this earlier, and I'm sorry. But what made, what made, what made you choose English, or was it just was it just like I do I do English because that's what's available, or did you choose to teach? No, I I've always loved reading. Reading for me was was a huge part of my childhood and my youth. Like. Um, my grandma bought me a sort of set of all the sort of children's classics when I was younger because she found me sort of reading her Mills and Boom books. So, which are like erotic fiction. She's like, you can't read that. And so, um, because there wasn't loads of books in my house growing up or anything, it wasn't really, um, but I had this real desire to read um, and read everything. I loved it. Um, and I really felt like it gave me an insight into, you know, the wider world and, um, and made me just ask lots of questions and um, excited me in ways that, you know, um, made me want to do different things with my life and see different places and meet different people. 
so I just felt and also it's what sort of made me you know want to achieve things and do more things with my life so I think I realized how important the study of English was so when I went to uni I did drama and English because they were the two things that I loved but I really wanted to be an English teacher because I knew how important communication was you know if we have a bigger vocabulary we can talk much more clearly about what we want and uh, what we need um and so I yeah I was really passionate about the importance of English for people not just because it gives them a good GCSE but just because it makes their lives nicer so um no I was really I really really wanted to be an English teacher I never wanted to be a drama teacher people would always say why are you a drama teacher because you do so much drama but for me drama was the thing that I loved that I never wanted to impose on anyone else like if someone else loves lots of people love football but I don't and I don't want to hear about it and I know that's how some people feel about drama. Like they know people love it, but they don't want to, they don't want to love it. And I frankly just don't want to teach it to people who don't care about it. Cause to me, it's so precious, but English, everybody needs that. It doesn't matter whether you want to be um, a footballer or you want to be a truck driver or you want to um, be a novelist. You, you need English because yeah. for life. So I wanted to teach the thing that I felt mattered the most. I still think drama is an incredibly important subject teaches empathy and creativity and everyone should study it but with someone who's better at teaching it than me. <laughs> do, you, do you think sometimes people take drama people take drama for granted? Yes absolutely I think this government takes drama for granted and I think education has not been um, making it easy for drama teachers for quite some time and I've seen that firsthand. Um, drama absolutely saved me as a, as a young student. I didn't go to a particularly good school um, I wasn't a particularly academic student. I was all right, but not particularly academic. But drama was the thing that sort of drama and reading was the things that sort of lift me up and sort of help me, you know, build relationships and navigate the world. And that's what drama can do. It can help you sort of, you know, consider the human condition, which um, we're seeing a lot of students just not able to do now. And, you know, just lack of empathy and that sort of thing is is a terrifying thing for us to be facing as a nation, I think. Yeah, um, 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 unfortunately, unfortunately, there's a lot of things in the world that, that probably that 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 definitely that definitely should be better, but unfortunately, that um, yeah, absolutely, the way society works, unfortunately. Yeah. So as we as we start wrapping it up, Rachel. Mm -hmm. would you like to is there any upcoming show that you do that people might be able to go and see if they if they interested great yeah well um close reach day is on every other monday so it's not on today which is monday the 9th of october but it will be on next monday uh, and then every other at the wardrobe theater in old market in bristol and then murder she didn't write we've got a show in Canterbury but that's all sold out so you can't come see that <laughs> but we are doing a special version of our show called Murder She Didn't Fright for the Halloween season <laughs> <laughs> yeah I thought you'd like that you love a pun um, <laughs> the uh, 26th, 27th, 28th I think it is at the Bristol Improv Theatre which is in Bristol but you can also follow Degrees of Error on all the socials to find out when we're touring and that sort of thing and we'll definitely be in Edinburgh next year so please check us out there okay okay so thank you for coming on Rachel it's been my pleasure Anthony
And thank you for watching, everyone. Please like, please share, and please subscribe. And if you're listening to this on audio platforms, give it a rating of five stars, and I will, and I will speak to you soon. Thank you for the support.